We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your Cleveland Browns lose 33-32 to in Kansas City. There is quite a bit to unpack in what was a really, really unusual football game. So we are going to go ahead and talk through some of it. I'm going to talk you through the baseline statistics, some initial thoughts before the All-22 arrives, and then obviously share the post-game OBR Twitch show, which we are calling this year the Sunday Rewind. So myself, Andrew Spade, Jack Duffin, we get some of Jack's time because it is an early start. So his uh, over-the-pond timing actually worked out in this one to get together. So a lot to cover here from initial thoughts of this 33-32 loss. All that and more on the latest OBR Film Breakdown. What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to chat at length here in a moment about uh, the game today and really the surrounding context of uh, what this game means and, and performances within the game. And then obviously start discussing the shaping of the 53-man roster. You know, I went back and watched. Uh, this is one place that the TV view can really help us is understanding a couple different things is that uh, the the two fumbles to the running back in handoff situations uh, that Watson dealt with or, or was a part of with Jordan Wilkins, you know, I've heard from people that Kansas City's broadcast was blaming him. So the first one that they were running was a counter concept, which they jab step the running back opposite. Quarterback kind of pushes that direction initially, and then they hand it off, and you know you're following, you're pulling guard who's kicking out. And then you're up and through. In and again, this this is the one that's a little bit dicey to me. It's one of two things: either the quarterback was too quick to to put the football extended and get there to because your quarterback is kind of driving in the running back's direction. It really is a a bit of a patience concept because you need those pullers to get out in front of you. Or on the other side of it, Wilkins was too slow because what happens is he jab steps and puts the as he's raising the inside arm which if you're watching the film, he's on the quarterback's right. He goes to raise, if you know anything, you put the the uh, inside elbow goes up, the, the pinky finger touches the the belly button and it forms a natural pocket, right? The inside arm is up, the, the other arm is underneath, and you're, you're forming that pocket for your quarterback. But the ball actually clipped as Wilkins' elbow is going up, the ball actually clips his elbow, and that's what causes the fumble to happen. So, again, to me, it's on either the quarterback being too fast or the running back not getting the pocket formed quick enough. So, uh, you know, I don't want to speak to what that is. It felt like there was a lot of anger at Wilkins on that one. But, you know, those are things you get ironed out. I haven't seen Deshaun have any issues with Nick or and there wasn't any issues with any of the other running backs, Felton and and Kelly, in this game. Uh, So, uh, to me, it was... Uh, it, it felt, if I had to guess, and I don't like doing the guessing game all the time, that one felt like it was on the running back. Now, the second one, the Browns are running one of their pin pool concepts from gun, running back on the left. Uh, 
and it's a pretty common concept. Quarterbacks just sticking the football out in front of them. Running back finds the mesh point because the, the quarterback's eyes are on the backside edge, so Watson is reading the backside edge. If he collapses, he can pull it, so they tag this with the quarterback read. And in, and on this one, it you know Watson's eyes are on the edge, and you can see it from the TV view. So this is on the running back to find the football, and he is like closing his, his hand. So as he forms that right arm up in this scenario because he's on the quarterback's other side he is like closing on the football with his hands it is a really ugly rep and and I noticed that obviously you guys saw it too that they pulled him after that play and uh, you know it was it was clearly his fault you should never close you can what they teach you to do on those is sort of as a a ball carrier you're once you feel the ball and you're stomach or kind of like upper stomach lower chest you're kind of rolling over it at a point and usually it's coached up that you roll over sort of kind of roll that inside arm and roll over and take the ball when you're past the quarterback's front foot but for whatever reason you know uh, Wilkins is trying to like clasp with that in his hands I mean I can still shot it and put it on the OBR but it was a really blatantly obvious running back issue to me it felt like Wilkins was really jazzed up he's trying to get you know, he's running with the first team in this game. It's a real chance for him to make the roster after falling out of favor in Indianapolis. And it kind of felt to me like a guy who just lost, you know, the, the core fundamentals, uh, the little things, the little details as he's really jazzed up to get the football. And that's unfortunate because I think Wilkins could be a part of the solution here. But in the game, he didn't have any other real reps. I mean, they came out and they ran a little fun uh, quarterback offset running back direct snap where they kind of made Wilkins uh, sort of ride the, the lateral fake to Watson and then follow his blockers on a little counter power up inside. And that was his only run. He didn't get a chance to run anymore other than the two-point conversion. But the two-point conversion was just a straight downhill from the shotgun, uh, a straight downhill zone concept. So it was really easy to get the mesh point right there. But, yeah, those two mistakes mean Wilkins didn't see the field the rest of the time. And you you have to be led to believe since – Watson didn't have any and hasn't had any issues with any other backs that it was just Wilkins getting, you know, putting the, the, the lead not over his skis a little too much there, being a little too eager. So unfortunate because, like I said, I think he can be part of the solution, but he um, he, he just he, you can't have that. You can't have that in this game. So I wanted to hit on that because I didn't hit on it in the post game show. I went back and watched the first team reps from the TV view, because as I'm recording this late, there was still not a release of the all 22, but uh, yeah, I thought, you know, and I mentioned it in the show. I thought Watson was fine. The fumbles make you feel like they were pretty disjointed, um, which is true, right? He goes five of 10 for 92 yards and a touchdown, but I thought he also made some really good throws. He get a great seam throw uh, on the first throw of the game, hit the top of his drop, boom, the ball's out perfectly placed to Donovan people's Jones. We all know, the touchdown throw was a really great throw, uh, sort of a tempo throw, not dropping it in a bucket, but putting tempo on it and putting it out and away from that safety, trying to crash down at an angle to, to cut off and undercut that football to Najoku. He put it in a great spot. And then obviously he had a chance on a bootleg to hit a big throw, but the, the holding you know, negated any chance of that. As Cooper was, he hit, he hit a little Dino post where he put his you know left foot in the ground and was working back across the hash and there was nobody there. Uh, that would have been a big play, obviously. Like I said, defensive holding negated that throw. And then, um, you know, he also hit that rollout, scramble to his left, extend the play stuff that Watson, old old school Deshaun stuff there, hitting, perfectly reading the corner, peeling off onto the onto the in-breaking route and leaving Cooper wide open up the sideline. So that's big, you know, those are big plays. Cooper's was 53, uh, and Joku's was a 10-yard grab, and Donovan's was a 21-yard grab, and that kind of accounts for everything. There's a couple short throws to... Um, you know, I think a couple to Elijah Moore, one off of an RPO, uh, RPO bubble where he was reading the overhang defender who's either crashing or squatting, and he, he's he's playing down into the run fit, so he just pulled it and threw it. And then another one, uh, just a little stick spacing route that he hit too. I, again, if you take away the fumbles, which I don't think are a common occurrence, and you give him a chance to hit that deep ball, I think you're like, well, the offense was very well run, right? They, they, he did miss one throw, in my opinion. This is, again, pre-all 22. He missed that third down throw where the Chiefs are sort of down mugging line of scrimmage up, press man. Moore did a great job, hit a great out route uh, past the sticks, and, and he was open, but the ball was just a, a little short. You know, I think Watson was was uh, 
you know, trying to get the football up and over his tackle that was, and again, you have to get this throw made because I thought Jed blocked it fine, but Jed was sort of just a little bit, you know, in the line of sight, but he's got to get that ball lifted and thrown and all of that stuff. That's the only one I think I think was bad. There were a couple bootlegs in there that had no chance. There's a ball to uh, an early down throw he put to uh, Cooper up the right sideline, but that ball was uh, uncatchable. Just, you know, trying to put it in in a tight spot on an early down throw. It didn't work out, but... Again, I thought you know some of the some of the weird stuff that happened with those fumbles and then that flag and the, you know everyone sort of feels like it's this disjointed. I thought Watson looked fine. I, I actually think it's the most optimistic I've been about him getting back to form and he looked like himself in a lot of ways. We'll we'll comment on a lot of different things uh, tomorrow's podcast after I digest the film and get you some some insights like I try to do. That actually might end up landing in your lap. Uh, I hope so. I think we can get it out for Monday, but it might be Tuesday. Uh, we'll do our best, but. Especially to probably yeah we're gonna do it Monday because Tuesday's the the cut down day and there's just a lot of information moving there we want to do a final uh, 53 man prediction for you so we'll see we'll get there anyway in this game 33 32 final Browns didn't run it very well in this one um, you know collectively as a group they they ran I think 20 times and they only ran for 42 yards KC ran for 88. 298 total for the Browns uh, collective yards 392 neither team very good on third downs, 5 for 14 for Cleveland, 4 for 13 for KC, a couple turnovers for the Browns, three turnovers for Kansas City, two in which resulted in uh, direct points for the Browns, so that was nice uh, in this one. Uh, if you look at uh, passing yardage, and this is what the Browns, I think the Browns clearly wanted to get all three quarterbacks thrown it. It's ironic, I mean, you know, Mond went 10 for 19 for 93 yards. He did have the interception, a really bad throw into in a clouded coverage there on a third and 11. Uh, DTR was 7 of 12. Missed some throws, but hit some big ones. Can't wait to look at that Tillman throw from the All-22. He goes 7 of 12 for 92, and then Watson goes 5 of 10 for 92. So 93, 92, 92. A lot of passes. Browns throw for 256. Chiefs go for 304. Blaine Gabbert, our old friend, 10 of 18, 162. Two touchdowns and an interception. Shane Bouchely, 8 of 7, uh, 8 for 17, 89. A touchdown, two interceptions in this Ola Oladakun played late for them, 7 of 9, 66 in a touchdown. The difference is the kicking. You know, Cade missed a, a kick to give the Browns the lead. Bucker didn't miss. I'm not going to spend any more time on the, the pre-shift to the uh, show talking about kicking because we go through everything about it. I'm so tired of talking about it. I'm so tired of talking about it. His post-game interview was sort of nasty in the locker room. I, I don't see it, man. And if they want to go risk it, then do it up. I, I Like I said, I will share the mic with... Um, Jack Duffin and Andrew Spade in the postgame, and we'll go through all of that. So we'll get over to that now. But overall, again, some, a lot of positives in this one. It's unfortunate that two straight you know, practice games here, you uh, get into a situation to practice winning, right, with, with late kicks, and you don't get it done. So that's looming, right? That's looming, uh, like, a, like, a, like a heavy cloud over top of Berea, uh, not to be – insensitive to the to the recent run of weather up in Cleveland which has been rough but it's looming it's ominous it's sitting there they have to make they have to make a decision I hope they make the right one we're going to shift over to the post game show I'll get with Andrew tomorrow we'll record and get something to you on Monday probably do a 53 man final prediction and then we'll do some all 22 insights as well uh, to get you that and get you caught up because it's going to be a crazy week of a lot of movement maybe some trades who they claim, a lot of stuff to discuss, and then it's game week, and we'll hit our usual game week stride at that point. So it's exciting. It's all here. It is all here. One more uh, preseason game, Houston and New Orleans at 8 o'clock tomorrow, and then it is all eyes on roster trim downs and all the movement that's going to happen across the NFL. It's going to be chaotic, but hopefully fun, and the Browns can improve their roster with those opportunities. So, all right, let's get over to the post-game show. Like I said, me, Andrew Spade, Sunday Rewind, we were lucky enough to get some of Jack Duffin's time as well. So good stuff all the way around. Let's get over to that show right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ever been up against buying tickets last minute, can't figure out how to get it done? The OBR group recently tried to go to the Browns preseason. We were up against the clock trying to figure out if we could get tickets hooked up, if we needed to buy them. We had to end up buying them, went to the Game Time app, and let me tell you, this is the best place to find tickets. It should never be stressful. They pride themselves on making it as seamless as possible. Killer deals on last-minute tickets. The best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets. Start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. If you're starting to poke around about getting tickets for Browns Bengals Week 1, this is the place you need to go Game time has everything you need. You don't have to plan months in advance, but if you do, they have deals on tickets now all the way up until the day. You get images from the seats you'll be sitting in to know what you're looking at, what the view will be, get that low price guarantee. And then talking again, those exclusive flash deals on tickets are what makes the app so great. And the game time guarantee means you'll get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. They'll credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. You get those images from your seats. You get tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. They're sent directly to your phone. You never have to dig through your email. So here's what you need to do. Download the GameTime app. Create an account. Use the promo code, quite simply, OBR, for 20% off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code OBR for $20 off. If you want to use the URL, it's gametime.co, okay? But the app is where it's at. It's perfect app. Download the GameTime app today. Promo code OBR, $20 off. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into post-game coverage of uh, the Browns' final preseason game. Uh, uh, the Browns lost uh, by a number to another number. I know they lost by a point. I don't remember the final score because it's the preseason and it doesn't matter. Uh, they were in Kansas City playing the Chiefs, and they lost uh, because Cade York had his last-second field goal blocked. Um, and so that's pretty much all you need to know about what happened in, in the game from a score and whatever standpoint. Uh, we've got uh, Jake Burns here. We've got Jack Duffin joining us because it's a day game, and Jack is able to uh, jump on from across the pond. Um, you know, so I, I guess, obviously, uh, we had this conversation uh I think after the first uh, preseason game uh, or maybe against the Eagles, it was against the Eagles where I said, we'll try and go 15 minutes, 10 minutes without talking about the kicker. But I don't think we can avoid it because it's really the only takeaway uh, of import. I mean, the first team defense and first team offense did play, but you know, really um, what happened with the kicker is so egregious that I think we have to start there. Um, Jake, you and I were talking about it off air just before we started uh, that last kick was tipped, yes, but the trajectory was so low from 41 yards uh, or 43 yards. Either way, um, it, it just it gives you no confidence that even if it hadn't been tipped, it was going to go in. It, it doesn't seem like he's striking the ball cleanly anytime he hits it. No, he's not. And, and he'll every now and again clip one well. I think the second – PAT after we thought he, I don't know, he was faking an injury or something. You know, like you could yeah, tell like, too, if right? you go back and watch the first kick, the minute he hits it, it's an old, like, I'll say this. We have not seen him like really shank one all preseason. They've been missing, but they've been sort of fading or drawing late. That was a miss hit. And then yeah. he tried to blame it on, you know, falling down or whatever. And like, it was a flop. I mean, at that moment, I was done. I'm just going to be honest. I'm done. I'm done with it. And it's like, if this guy can't just consistently strike the football, and if it's not a holder issue, like it, it, it wouldn't have just become a holder issue today. They would have replaced Bjorkwes with somebody else, anybody else. So, like, he's not good at it, clearly. Right. This is not – and it's like – you know, it's like people will try to say hey, – well, I think he's got talent. And I've said this. He does have leg talent. It is, to me, 
I equate it so much to golf because the striking motion of the ball is a very similar down on the football to get it to lift sort of thing. And like to me, he is a golfer who cannot figure out what is wrong with the swing. And you, and then you start overthinking everything because you can't figure it out mentally. You start thinking about all the little, uh, little movements and, and things I have to do to get this right. He is yep. broken. He is broken. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know. Maybe you can uh, figure out a way to keep him around your IR him somehow. Like today, he got hurt. Right. Hey, Cade, we're going to do this for you. I, I'm not – I mean, there's enough talent there that I think that there's a chance he could kick somewhere else. It's just that doesn't matter right now. It doesn't – it's so bad right now. I don't care what he does in practice settings because there's clearly a difference between practice – in a stadium with fans wrapped around you from every angle, he can't do it. So mm-hmm. I have been pretty vocal saying, and I believe this still, if they want to risk this, go ahead. But you just watched your team lose multiple preseason games because you couldn't kick. Yep. What more evidence do you need that this is going to trickle in to the season and cost you football games? I just don't know what else – you know, at that point, and again, we, it could have been the plan all. It could have been planned weeks ago, right? Yeah. It could have been the plan weeks ago that they said we're just going to wait until cut down date and at come date. At that point, we will, um, you know, we'll, we'll make a move because we j- there's nobody on the market that we like enough or something, something, something. I don't know. We talked off air. We've wrote. I know Jackie wrote articles about kickers available right now and potentially in the future. So. Long story short, at this point, if they go into week one with Kate as their kicker, it's one of the most questionable single decisions I've seen from the organization in a significant amount of time. That's Agreed. where I'm at. With it. And if they, again, if they want to do that, there, there's um, a massive set of consequences that are going to be a trickle effect of that decision. It would be the most shocking decision since they drafted a kicker. <laughs> how egregious it would be um but i think yeah. they're right to wait till this point the guys that i want to go after are on teams you've seen the first one that i've had an eye on move today in matthew wright um of the panthers had 87 percent field goal ratio a 75 percent um over 50 yards which is what Cade york is of all field goals so he's one i would like he's gone on waivers today but just because he's gone on waivers, that's not a tomorrow thing now. Any player waived between now and cutdowns, they all clear waivers after cutdowns. So you're not able to start grabbing guys now. believe yeah. they might be able to swing a trade now, but they can't grab them. The other one I'm really intrigued with is who loses in the Chargers battle. They would be mad to let go of Dicker the kicker, who 100% in the regular season on all kicks 49 yards or less. He only had one kick over 50 yards and missed it. So that could be one where they go, hey, do we want to take effectively perfect efficiency under 50 and then, hey, throw the Hail Mary or whatever you want if it's over 50? Could be an option. The other one to keep an eye on, um, Nick Falk, potentially with the Patriots. But I think they will solve this, and I think they have dealt with it the right way. Some like phony UDFA competition in camp was not going to get it done. Um, let's see what happens between now and week one. There is a lot of time still to go, and they will keep making moves. Yeah, I, th- I think, Jake, your point about it, you know, it is the preseason, and we know that these wins and losses don't matter, but they now have two losses and a tie where they should have had wins because of kicking woes, right? And so yeah. it's a it's a perfectly clear illustration of the cost of the kicker being this inconsistent because we're not talking about, you, you make some, you miss some. We're talking about a guy who every time he kicks the ball, it's not clear that he knows where the ball is going. And that's been, it's been evident that that's the problem for a while. And if it's fine in practice and it's only happening in the games, then, but, you know, logical deduction tells you that that's because of, you know, between the years issues that are cropping up for him in game time action. And I think, you know, the, the, the injury thing, which was bizarre, the way that he jumped, you know, like he had been shot in the foot, and then I almost the, felt like he wanted to be done. Like I felt like I agree. I agree. He, like was ready to just be done. Looking but for a way out. Yeah. He he and, and figured then, out that he couldn't get away with it and he right? just had to go back out. I mean, that's it, yeah. it's a lot of conjecture on my end, but I felt like there was some relief in him almost well, when and, it happened. 
the thing that I think points that direction is that at the last kick, he was making the tipped gesture before that ball was even on the ground. Right. Yeah. And so as in to tell people, right. It wasn't exactly. my fault. Right. It is your fault, right. brother. That's a 43 yeah. yard kick. That's coming out low. If, if linemen on the ground who can barely jump are right. getting their hands on that ball, that's your, it's not a 53 or 63. It's 43. You can trajectory up that thing with your leg power and get it there. So like, yeah, he's broken. He's broken. He's like, again, a golfer. If you've ever seen a PGA golfer with the yips, they can't like they have no they, uh, there was a recent run uh, uh, that, that Rory McIlroy had years ago. It was not that long ago where he's like he literally hits a ball, turns to his caddy. So I don't know where it's, I don't know where it's going. Yep. Like, that's what he's doing. That's what he's, he's so broken right now. So um, whatever they they need to make the right decision. <laughs> they just need to make the, it's so simple. It's so yeah, it's, this uh, isn't it could not be more drafting obvious. something, uh, a, a tough decision around free agent, whatever. Make a decision. Pick someone else. I don't even care who. Sign or claim someone else. Saying Gonzalez just to trigger some people would be hilarious. Mm-hmm. Didn't he? Even didn't I see that he's, he's hurt. He's got a Isn't he hurt? There. San Francisco's got a couple guys down, so they're looking at a kicker. Yeah, anyway, I mean, I, I, you could tell me any name, and I'd be like, that's fine. Just whatever. I don't. Oh, I don't. Yeah. No, and I'm seeing that. At this yeah, I'm saying that. In the Ward chat. concussion protocol. Okay. Again right. today. He's had so many concussions. He had a lot of concussions in his early. It is beyond now a concern. He's he's I think he's got to have five in the NFL. I would have to look at it, but I think it, it was his I think early it was three last year. So I think this is four if it is if he's yeah. if he's got he's it. Got I'm pretty sure it's four in the NFL. Two more years in his contract. So he's not going anywhere anytime soon as well. Well, unless he retires. Yeah, you know. I don't know. Okay, so we want to talk now about the. Uh, I think we li- we'll leave the kicker discussion there. Obviously, it's one of the more important questions facing the team between now and cut down day on Tuesday. Um, but I do want to talk about. We saw really more of the first team offense than I expected. I was I was shocked to see Amari Cooper play uh, multiple series with the offense. Uh, I think the only players we didn't see on offense were Nick Chubb and Joel Batonio, unless I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, and and I think the offense was inconsistent. Would be. Uh, the word that I would use, uh, the first drive ended on a, a botched uh, read option handoff from Deshaun Watson to Jordan Wilkins, who then botched another handoff from Watson on the third drive. Um, then we had that uh, beautiful touchdown throw from Deshaun Watson to David Njoku, uh, which, you know, that part of it looked really good. And so I think there was some good, there was some mediocre, and then there was some bad. I, I, I remember on a a third down out route, uh, Watson, you know, really kind of dirted the ball in front of, uh, I think that was Elijah Moore that had won on that route and was open for a first down and he couldn't get it to him. So, uh, Jake anxious to hear your impressions of, you know, that the first team offense overall and, and kind of what you think that told us as we uh, get ready for Cincinnati in two weeks. You're right. I think that it felt disjointed. I'll say this. You know, Jordan Wilkins is a guy who has been in the NFL before. He's been around. He's trying to work his way back into an organization. And these are first-team early game reps. And it was clear to me that he was moving a mile a minute too fast trying to take the – like, he just lost basic core fundamentals of handoff stuff. And, like, if you just remove those – the offense felt fine, and those drives mm-hmm. would have gone longer. The, the the fumble would have gone longer. Yeah, there was one real miss, which was the the again. This is pre all twenty two watch, but the the third down miss. I'm sure Watson wants that back. It was just just uncatchable, barely uncatchable. Just missed it. But again, if you take out that fumbled handoff, you look at it from that standpoint. I think it was pretty good. I think it was mm-hmm. pretty good. Um. I don't have not seen Watson have any trouble with handing the football off to any other running back. And again, right. it felt like to me, and this, it really is a, a, a grim part of the business where Wilkins had been sort of amping himself up, getting ready, having better performances, some good camp days. And then he's got this chance to shine in the third preseason game. And it just, he didn't play again. Like they just, they couldn't play him and all of that work he's put in, the time he spent with the Browns just goes out the window and he's not going to make this roster. It's like really, yeah. really difficult to, you could see it on his face. They cut over to him a couple times after they took him out. And it's like, yeah, it's such a cutthroat business. But like, yeah. I think again, if you take the, the, the concern of the second fumble out, the turnover of the first fumble, 
you're law you're really talking about one play there i thought watson did a nice job of showing kind of old school watson when he felt left side pressure leaks out left finds amari down the sideline that you you referenced the great ball to david on that corner route which was just absolutely like not even dropped in a bucket it was like trajectoried into the bucket. it was like Mm-hmm. The bucket was sort of tilted. And it, that was a great throw. And he obviously hit uh, uh, Donovan on a, on a really nice seam shot there, his first throw of the game. So I'm encouraged by what I saw from Deshaun. Uh, again, yep. the fumble stuff is uh, it, it, it makes it feel worse than it was. But I thought they did a nice job um, when he was in there and he looked comfortable. I mean, again, he played one quarter and he I don't even know if he had a, had a whole quarter there, but he threw for 92. I, I mean, that's yeah. a, it's a 300 trajectory game. And I thought he played, he played pretty well. So we should feel, should feel pretty good about that in my opinion. Um, but you know, it's, it's as we sit here guys um, and we're going to do a lot of banter and writing and coverage of this over the next three days, we have to talk about Jakeem Grant, which I know we will Andrew, but like yep. that situation changes a lot. There's yep. also the Jordan Kunasich knee. Mm-hmm. And there's some things like with the, the to, to your point about your question here and tying it back to Jordan Wilkins in the offense, they need another back. How yeah. how close is Jerome Ford? We don't know. Right. The, like, yeah, I am, it's a hamstring, I am of the belief always... like, uh, yeah, man. And like yeah. those can kind of flare up on you again at any point. Exactly. In a season. Right. And I'm kind of to the point with with Jack. And, and I know we've talked about this as an OVR group, but like. I honestly think you should probably call Leonard Fournette and 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 like give some guys that matter at that position a bit of a call here because you're not just talking about the risk of Jerome Ford, a young player. There always is the risk of a guy who hasn't seen decent snap count numbers in the NFL level. He's the risk yep. there. We think he's good, but he's also dealing with this this hamstring tightness, and then you don't have a really uh, comfortable third back situation let alone you and i have pro- i think i projected four the other day on the right on the on the on the show we did and i know some others in our obr write-ups have projected four backs as well uh they're in a bit of a weird spot there they're in a weird spot but i don't think they can just oh we claimed so and so we made a cup you're gonna have right. to you're, you're not gonna be able to claim all the i mean there's 31 other teams that are gonna be claiming some of these guys the vikings are in a really bad running back depth situation the cowboys are in a weird running back depth situation a lot of teams are going to be poking around for some of these players so you know the michael carter little swap trade idea is out there There, there's some different angles to take here but i honestly think you might need to start poking around street free agents and i have some bad news we're kind of getting into kareem hunt territory we we are getting into (laughs) kareem hunt territory where if if leonard fournette doesn't want to come back Yep. He doesn't want to come north. He's a southern guy. He's always played kind of in that that general uh, area. He maybe doesn't want to come up to Cleveland. Could, you never know, you know. And then it's like we don't claim. Maybe they put in a claim for a couple guys. They don't land. Who are you calling? Well, Kareem is yep. sitting there. And mm-hmm. at that point, that's you know it is what it is, guys. So um, it's there's a lot of big decisions looming there, yeah, for sure. J- Jack, talk about the the uh, the running back room and kind of where you see things going now after after what we saw today. Yeah, so the key thing I said coming in today was the order people came out in because Wilkins was the fourth running back out against the Eagles, and I know he played well. But it's why I always tend to look at the order guys come out because we had Kelly, Felton, Hall, and then Wilkins last week. So people, some people might just look at the PFF grades. I would say box it all because. If someone's the fourth running back out, that is more telling than how well they play as the fourth running back coming out. Um, so the fact that he was out there first, I nearly tweeted, hey, probably makes him a roster lock. And then two fumbles later, I feel a lot less confident about his future with the team. But it's one where Jerome Ford, even if healthy and played well during this preseason, would still be a giant risk going into the year because he's never really done anything in the NFL. He had like, was it eight carries for 12 yards or something? If, if if you told me that was the stat line of a player, I wouldn't be like, yeah, great, perfect running back too. He'll be fine. So I always felt like we needed someone else. And all I've seen all offseason is that guy's not on the roster. So, yeah, I, I would take the punt, playoff Lenny. It guarantees you January football, two and a half mil. That's potentially is not <laughs> that bad a price. Cordero Patterson, for me, would be a great signing. I'm not paying him 4.25 million. That would be the cost to trade for his current contract. Right. Maybe he's cut and he's two and a half million. Great. But 4.25 million is the 19th most expensive running back in the NFL. That's ridiculous money. So if that price came down, certainly one I'm willing to look at. Um, But I think they need to find somebody who's not on the team. 
Um, yeah. It's not one where you can roll with it and people go, oh, it's only a running back two. That can quickly become a running back one. And Nick Chubb is not going to be able to play 100% of snaps. That's yeah. just an exception of the facts. Yeah, the other the other player that's sort of at the edge of his roster, respectively, is Dearness Johnson in Jacksonville. That's one that I'm watching as well, too, just because of his familiarity. And I think uh, I would feel certainly very comfortable. I almost, at this point, would be more curious to see what he could give the Browns than going back to the Kareem Hunt well. I just think the Hunt production drop-off last year was so steep that uh, you start to worry about him being sort of just done, you know, which I think is maybe part of the reason that he hasn't signed anywhere yet. Um I want hey, to talk. Quote, uh, you ready, real quick? Yeah. I hate pity. I want to be a weapon. I know how good I am. Oh boy, Cade York. Mm. Everybody. Mm. Yeah, I we. I mean, we were talking about it in terms of the the tip motion that he made after that the the last field goal, and it does feel. I, I think there's shades of Baker Mayfield with with Cade York, where it's, uh, you kind of want to like. There's, there's never really like a full owning up to things in the way that you would want, you know, and, and, and it feels like a guy who's kind of looking for excuses why things didn't go his way. And so uh, I don't know. I'm obviously, I, you know, we don't know a lot about Cade York. I, I think I think even the fact that he's talking to the media is telling in and of itself, right? Like perfectly acceptable for a, a kicker in this situation to say no comment. I don't have anything to say, you know, and I think yep. that would be really understandable. So the fact that he wants to say something it just to me the the feeling top to bottom there with the kicker is is not great. I want to talk about the first team defense a little bit because they looked uh, really impressive again. Now I know that the the uh, a lot of the stars for the Kansas City offense were not out there. Obviously, uh, chief amongst them, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But uh, you know they they did have their first team offensive line for I think at least the first series. And I think other than that uh, screen that the the Chiefs dialed up right into a uh, Jim Schwartz blitz. Um, the first team defense looked really good, including a, a pick six from Juan Thornhill. They played a little bit more than I expected, almost the full first quarter, uh, but really productive and um, aggressive. And I think uh, disruptive in a way that we kind of, this is, it, it feels like the, the defense might be as advertised uh, in the, in the, the regular season, Jake, if, if the preseason is any indication. Yeah, it, it it could be right. It could be. It it has potential to. And I've, I've I think I was on with Quincy Carrier talking about it yesterday. You can see the dynamics of the depth in the front and how they can get creative and the talent they have mixing with an aggressive fix it linebacker. Jok was all over the field in this one. Yeah. Um, you know, and then the secondary Thornhill McLeod's going to play a lot. You know, the Denzel stuff here with him being in concussion protocol. He's, if I recall, when he's been in concussion protocol, they've lasted a while. Yep. Like there was a, st- a stretch in one of those a few years back where we're like, we're going on like a month here yep. and he hasn't played. So just to say, oh, he'll be back before we, he's definitely in jeopardy of playing week one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the secondary is an important part of all of this. They looked good today. Um, the, the early guys, I thought the second and third group had a massive amount of blown assignments and struggling in, in space. But, you know, at this point, I don't really care anymore. Um, You know, we'll, (laughs) we'll cover that a little more in depth the rest of the week, but it's it's hard to get all worked up about those guys. They're not going to matter to your Sunday happiness or, or, uh, you know, sadness. So uh, I think again, Thornhill is, is so good deep in coverage. That's, that's where he's most comfortable. I hope they continue to allow him to, to middle field read or split field read. Uh, it's just a great job cutting down the backside crosser on that boot. And, uh, and Ronnie McLeod is again, just, yeah. I mean, you don't last in the league this long unless you're, you just are in the right places all the time. And he is usually a, a guy that's in the right place at the right time. So I've, you know, I've talked about this a little bit again recently that like, you know, you have three safeties that can really play here. Grant Delpit led the NFL from the safety position and run stops across the league. Do you do some, four one six stuff do you put him in as like that 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 linebacker hybrid stuff they're gonna have to get creative and now if denzel is out cam mitchell's dealing with the shoulder he didn't play yep. they're yep. a little shorthanded their two outside guys are in place but they're a little shorthanded here i know you have mike ford but he hasn't evoked the most confidence for me as a nickel so i will be kind of uh, paying close attention to um 
you know, what, what they do or how they alter their plan here. Cause now it's like, well, I think we have, if we're going to play five DBs, it feels like three safeties might be your best, your best bet in that scenario. Right. So, right. you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll all obviously be dialed into it, but again, it's another indication of why we have these sort of fantasy talks about trading from depth in the off season at corner to get, they have never proven health. They have just yep. never done it between all of them. So you should, you should, you should be stocking up on these guys to, uh, to, to allow for some situations to play out. So all the yep. best to Denzel. Hope he's back and healthy in week one. And he's good because as we've alluded to, it's, it's getting up there, man. The, the volume yep. of these things are un- uncomfortably high. Shout out to Warpath for subscribing for 19 months. Uh, thank you, Warpath, for the big subscription. Appreciate that. Uh, Jack, talk a little bit about uh, some of the stuff you saw on defense that maybe you think potentially changes the composition of the roster. We know we, Jake mentioned earlier the Jordan Kanasich injury. Now we've got news about Ward and the concussion protocol. What do you think this does to how they compose that first roster? This isn't going to be a popular one, but linebacker remains fascinating because you seem to have your three starters locked in with Walker, JOK, and Taki Taki. You're realistically keeping six. They had six basically active, I think, every single game last season. And that wasn't a Joe Woods thing. That's a special teams thing as well. So you've then got the next two guys up. And we've heard Bubba Ventrone this week waxing lyrical about two linebackers, Adams and Kunisic. So that's up to five. If you're keeping six, that's Fields versus Diabate. That's just where the numbers currently sit. So it is fascinating to us, for me to see what they do. And those were the two that I always had fields as the, the sixth in that room for can he be there. But it's a nice problem to have. We only have to go back a couple of weeks. And all I read on Brown's Twitter, even in the water coolers, we need to go out and get a linebacker. And I'm sitting going, there's seven I like. It's, it, we're almost at a point of riches rather than we're yeah. actually short of linebackers. So um, I think that... It, I, I honestly, that's probably going to be the hardest decision I make with my 53-man prediction is that battle right there. Um, in terms of safety, it was a hot, considered a hot take when the Rodney McLeod signing happened, and it's now growing towards consensus. Del Pitt, for me, is clearly safety three in this room. Um, I don't even think it's actually that close, and I think that's going to be fascinating to see for the season. And I keep holding him. This isn't one where I go and trade him because, as Jake said, you want that extra depth. He is certainly the sixth best DB in the room, though. So if Ward or one of the safe the corners is out, you bring him in for nickel. I don't think he's one. And he has great s- slot snaps. Two years ago, he was the best non-corner in the slot across the entire NFL. It's a smallish sample, but it's still noteworthy. Um, the D-line's loaded. Um, really, really nice spot there. Um yeah, I, I think it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches. And don't be shocked. I've, there is an article on the OBR. You can go read it if you're a VIP member. But if you see someone like Kunisic and Adams cut on the initial 53, they could easily return. And I see them as the most logical people where you move Wright and Thomas to IR and then you bring them back. So don't panic with initial 53 and go, Jack lied to me. Just wait until we get near a week one. <laughs> Yeah, I'll say Jack too. An interesting, don't call him liar. (laughs) An interesting thing to consider is like some of these guys who maybe they didn't want to gamble or not gamble, but they didn't want to promise money to, um, in just terms of maybe their UDFAs or low and free, and they come in and do really well. It would seem to me that if the if the it's just a proposition here that if the organization felt position coaches and your in your then analysts up in the uh, decision making rooms including Andrew Barry and and obviously we heard from Paul De Podesta's talking to Andrew Barry about the roster every day like pretty clear Jimmy's willing to spend money so I do wonder if like you know the the logical thing is always follow the money and I get that but like if they love somebody over Canasich are they going to care about $500,000 like are they really going to care that much like that's kind of like what is going to be an interesting wrinkle because, you know, I understand that there's guaranteed dollars tied to some things and that is a part of the accounting that goes into the cap. But like, you know, if they love somebody that they can't, you know, imagine this player is going to get claimed. Like I just, I think if there's a situation where 
they could break the mold, kind of like, you know, what they've done sometimes with Siaka Ika and some other things recently. I will be kind of tuned into some of those decisions. So I'd say on the, uh, before I listened to it, and it was only yesterday, I think someone shared that Joe Hayden and Bubba Ventrone interview. I was very much in the boat of, hey, there's four names, three spots, could go anyway. I think Unasic is the, the favourite of the four, but anything could happen. The fact that Bubba Ventrone was asked about his special teams unit and listed just four guys, and DeAnthony Bell was in that list, and he was the one he went most crazy for out of Bell, Ford, and that he is was um, Mike awful Ford. Awful coverage today, which didn't um, <laughs> Yeah, terrible. Then um, Kunasic and Adams. So it's one that I would say that is just what sets me to the point because the, the foremost traditional special team spots are linebacker five, linebacker six, DB nine, DB 10. So it makes sense that they're the four that he's waxing lyrical about. Um, and that's the only reason I, I feel strongly about them. It's not so much the guarantees. It, it, Bubba Ventrone's going, these guys are amazing. They are key part of my special teams unit. And then three days later, you, the GM cuts them. It just feels a bit grim. Yeah, I mean, but you got, I, there's also elements that go beyond just specials of like, hey, you know, again, this is just perspective for people. Hey, Diabate's a damn good athlete. Coach him up, man. Get him to do those things like in specials. We believe he's going to be a linebacker for us at some point. We value that more than the special teams core part of it. We get what you're saying. With I mean, I'm just that's why the, this end of the, the, there's some intrigue with the end of the roster that they right. could come for right. sure. I didn't mean to distract from the game today, which we can hit on some more things. We'll get yeah, to no, I, 53 I mean, right up soon. The other, the other big piece of news from the game, obviously was the first play of the game uh, and Jakeem Grant uh, suffering a really serious looking injury to his knee, uh, which I think has probably ended his season. It seems likely. Um, and so, uh, you know, you, you want to, just first of all, just have a moment for a player that you know had a had a was given a, a nice contract by the Browns and had a really uh, clear spot to making the team and being a difference maker last year, uh, and then lost out on that due to an Achilles injury, uh, and then uh, suffers another serious injury. It appears anyway today during the game with the Chiefs, and and now seems likely to uh, never get to play in a regular season game for the Browns, which is hard to believe considering. You know the amount of money that they wanted to give him, they went after him, and and it's just been two years of bad luck for Jakeem Grant. Uh, Jake, you know, prior to this happening, you were sort of full fledged in in your belief that they could move forward with Jerome Ford at kickoff return and and uh, Donovan Peoples Jones at, at punt return. Do you think that's the direction they go now, or do you think they maybe try and find somebody? You know, a name that actually uh, we saw today was Amir Smith Marset for the Chiefs. I, I don't know enough about where they're at depth chart wise to know if he's going to make that roster or not. I know they've got a bunch of wide receivers, but he's a returner for sure. Himself, you know, right, exactly. Sure. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, curious to see if they go out and try and find somebody or if they think they've got the answers on the on the team right now. Yeah, I, I first, like, you just want to give Jakeem Grant a hug. Like, that sucks. Yeah. It yeah. sucks so really bad. Unfortunate. Like, to tear your Achilles last camp, early in camp, go through a grueling rehab, get to the point you're comfortable getting back out there only to then on your very first kick return have did I don't know if there's a confirmation of what it was, but anytime you see an air cast on a player's leg, you presume something's broken. Like, I don't know if yep. his ankle was broken or something, but God, that sucks. Now the good thing for Jakeem Grant kind of perspective is that he's made a decent amount of money in the NFL you know, it's not it's not to make it any better, but he has found success and he'll be taken care of. Like, I know there's no guaranteed money on the roster for him uh, this year, but I'm just saying, like, he's done things in the NFL that, you know, he's going to be health insurance for life and all that. It's like he's going to get all that. Um, it doesn't make it any easier for him. And I'm it's terrible. Uh, the Brown situation, like. I don't know. I, I would prefer to have not had Jakeem Grant, but at the same time, Andrew, like we spoke about the other day, if they did keep him, he's pretty, he's been good at it. So it wouldn't have been like a net negative. I get, <laughs> this is just me and I'm not trying to sound callous. I, I hate taking the ball seven, eight yards deep out of the end zone out anyway. So 
whatever can make them stop returning kicks would just be lovely for me. And I, I just not to Jakeem's in like that all sucks. And it's one of the more unfortunate, it felt very Jaguars gamey from last year's preseason, right? Where Nick yes. Harris gets hurt right away. Yep. And it's like the air gets sucked out of the environment, but they, they don't need to stress about the return. Donovan is a fine punt returner. Three players in the league returned to kick last year. He was one of them. He'll be fine at that part of it. Kick return. Let's de-emphasize kick return. They don't need to do this, man. Just like if it's a short kick and you have to take it out, like take it from the one yard line. Fine. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal to me, Jack. So yeah, just go back to the kick where he injured on. We're finishing minus two yards short of the 25. So Neil would have actually been a net benefit in terms of yardage. Sure. It's they often like that, unfortunately. In the Hall of Fame game that they'd spoke to both head coaches in that. And they said for the whole season, they're going to run all the kicks out just because it's more about practicing the blocking and everything further up the field than actually trying to get to the 25-yard line. And that will change when the season comes. Personally, for me, there'll be a clause in Bubba's contract where it automatically voids if a kickoff is run out of the uh, end zone. That'd just be a like, hey, bye, mid-game, you're off. Someone else can fill in. Um, the fascinating thing for me on the Jakeem's Grant stuff was that Andrew put in the um, thread was regarding the Depot interview where he said he was effectively making the roster. AB was less warm on Watkins. Um, in the comments that he made. So it very much seems like, hey, I, I assumed that would be Watkins ahead of Grant. Mm-hmm. But I think going into this game, the actual plan was Grant ahead of Watkins, which would have made Brown's Twitter furious that Watkins right. would be out. But I think that was, if I'm going to base on what those two both said, probably where it was happening. Jake was right on there is – he's – had his four seasons in the league. So Jakeem Grant will have the protection and everything, but he had an injury waiver in his contract. So there's no real money for him this year. No, um, no. I don't know if there will, will be something they'll give him, but um, it's one that it's tough because he cut to the minimum, basically waved away his rights just to have a shot on making the roster yeah. this year because yeah, he sold out everything. He sold out yeah. everything to make the roster. And yeah, that, that part sucks, man. No way around it. Yeah. Other than that just sucks. Uh, but it will be DPJ. To... Go ahead, Jake. Jack. It will be DPJ because in the Bubba Ventron interview with Joe Hayden, he mentioned two guys are the return guys. Yeah. It was Grant and it was DPJ. So right. DPJ is definitely a return guy. Yeah. So so if they're if they've got DPJ returning punts and they plan to kneel most kick returns, then you probably don't need to go after a return only uh, player for the wide receiver position. I uh, just wanted to give a belated shout out to. Um, uh, Warpath for uh, some gifted subs earlier, and uh, I see some other folks have been very generous in the comments as well. So thank you all for your support. We've got a bunch of people here with us. The comments have been very lively, so we really appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we are going to go a little shorter today, just because it's Saturday afternoon, uh, beautiful day outside, uh, you know, and it's kind of the end of the preseason. So um, you know, we're going to save our bullets for the regular season, right? When things really get heated up in two weeks in Cincinnati or against Cincinnati. So, um, I, I want to just go around one more time and we'll kind of just talk about, you know, uh, maybe something that changed your mind about something, uh, from today's game that, that, you know, gave you a different view of things and, and a different perspective as we, uh, go into the season. Jake. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say the first team offense felt fine. Um, yeah. again, I felt encouraged about Deshaun. Uh, he did he did plenty of things that typical Deshaun Watson's done. He made some on-time throws from the pocket in rhythm, punching the top foot and getting the football out. And then, you know, the scramble stuff. And I thought that they also missed a flag on that first Amari Cooper throw where he stepped up toward the line of scrimmage. And yeah, he did a great job. Pushing that throwing. envelope. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I leave feeling pretty good about that. Um you know, so yeah, that, that's probably my biggest takeaway. And all that really matters, right. the defense was fine, yeah. good when they were out there, and they should be. I mean, I think they were they facing Blaine Gabbard. I can't remember who was in the early portions of the game. Shane Buchel. Um, is it was it Buchelli or whatever? You, yeah. I'm bad with names, but um, yeah, the, you know, the defense was good. The, the, all the, the the important parts of what we want to see be good were good. And again, I just think that the weird little fumbles changed the course of our vibe of that game. And yeah. the kicking stuff just changes a lot of how you feel. And if they yeah. just solve the kicker, then, you know, then we'll, uh, they, they're, they're, they should be good guys. They should be good. There's also that number 24. There's also a really good left guard. 
that didn't play in the game. There's also a number 95 that'll help some, I think, at some point this season. Guys. So, like, yeah, they should be really good. And and Watson looks more comfortable than I think I felt like I've seen him in a while. And um, I'm ready for week one. I'm kind of tired of the preseason stuff. The extra yeah. game. Yeah. I saw somebody say today, when you play in the preseason uh, opener in the Hall of Fame game, you should have a running clock in your third preseason game because that game took forever that first yeah. quarter was forever yeah so you know excited yeah. to get to games that matter so we can stop talking about practice squads and into 53s and talk about the the dudes who are gonna make money and they're gonna hopefully yeah. help them win games jack from a roster standpoint same question he's, i mean i know we've kind of touched on a lot of this stuff through the the conversation but sum up kind of the your main takeaways uh, th- this roster is just legit and i know some people might say that every year we are we are going to cut actual legitimate players usually the browns roster is like 45 guys and some scrubs we're pretty much at like 56 57 58 guys that are worthy of being on an nfl team and that's not with the orange and brown glasses where some people tell you like 80 guys are worthy there are on the high side towards 60 guys that are deserving of being on a team and that is a really really nice spot to be in I still think their biggest weakness beyond kicker is running back and they do have to go out and solve it and it is Leonard Fournette or it is as you said Jude Johnson not Jude Johnson Dearness Johnson Johnson, would be a great person to go out there and get Um, it would just be seamless I wanted him to stay Um, you could solve kick returner and running back depth yeah with yeah. Cordero Patterson. How yeah. about that? Yeah. You know? If he either he gets cut or do a trade where he takes a pay cut, um, could be the case where that can all get agreed. Who knows if, if the picks in there, then they might eat a bit of money. Um, but I think they're in such a good spot with this roster. I think it's just going to be a fun year. There is going to be some random stuff. We sort of the tackling wasn't perfect at times. It, I don't think people thought we were bringing Jim Schwartz and every tackle is 100% completed. But <laughs> there's going to be a lot of wins. Um, yeah. And I think this year is going to be a lot, a lot of fun. But um, yeah, a new kicker is coming. <laughs> yeah, there's there's still a few things that need to be addressed. I think, you know, obviously I think everybody would have kicker at number one. Uh, the running back uh, question is for sure up there. Uh, and then you start talking about really beyond that, it's less about bringing people in and more about you know, how they uh, choose between the players that are already on the roster. So always an interesting thing to see when you get to cut downs, how many Browns players that get cut from the Browns end up on other 53-man rosters. So something we'll definitely be tracking. Um, You know, for me, from a takeaway standpoint, I would just say that I think I feel confident that if the offense is inconsistent because they are still gelling and, and finding that timing and rhythm early in the season, I have more confidence than I did coming into the preseason that the defense can pick up the slack. And I think the defense feels ready now to hit the ground running uh, for the regular season, which I think is is a really good sign. So very excited to see that dimension for the Browns maybe finally deliver on its promise as it has struggled to do that over the past few seasons. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, we, we have a great uh, week of coverage uh, planned uh, for, you know, cut down week, as I guess we can call it uh, at, the, at the OBR. We will have uh, all sorts of, predictions uh, ahead of the cutdowns on Tuesday, but we will also have exhaustive coverage and analysis of the decisions that the Browns make over the next few days. There's no place that's going to cover everything as in-depth uh, what the Browns do over the next few days as the OBR. That's always the case, and it'll certainly be the case uh, through cutdown day and then the next few days as waiver claims get figured out and you know maybe the Browns uh, make a, a trade or a signing. So be sure to be uh, checking in with the OBR often. Uh, we will have everything for you there. Uh, we'll also have a free a full week of shows uh, planned, in, including uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, uh, full coverage of a breakdown of this game, and then looking forward to those cut down decisions, and then an- analyzing that as we get ready for you know the off week next week, and then start to probably by the end of next week be looking forward to real Browns football uh, on September 10th against Cincinnati. So thank you all. Uh, for hanging out here. Uh, Great, uh, wonderful support in the chat. A lot of subscriptions being thrown around. uh, A lot of comments uh, in both Twitch and YouTube chat. So thank you all for watching. Uh, Thanks to Jake and Jack uh, for joining me uh, as we had a a little Saturday afternoon uh, post-game show. We will be back on Monday night. Until then, uh, thank you for joining us and go Browns.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.